I had found a job that I was pretty keen on. Like I, I was very yeah. excited about it checked all the boxes, but I knew that unless I changed some fundamental things about how I was working, it was going to wind up being just like every other job that I've ever had ever. So that was what kickstarted yeah. our journey together. I'm Jill Avey, a career success coach, and this is Sister Smart Leadership, the show that explores how women can rise from director to vice president and beyond by fully leaning into their feminine energy as their biggest advantage. Let's get you one step closer to the recognition and promotion you deserve. Escaping burnout is an inside job, and a lot of my clients are surprised to hear that when they first start working with me. They're thinking if only the company would change their behavior, then they could change their own behavior. But it really usually works the other way around. If we change ourselves, then others start to react to us in a different way, and we can really find success in that way. And so I'm really excited for you to meet Jenny today, who is a client of mine who has just done an outstanding job with this issue. And she has gone from overworking to being effective and a leader instead. And so I really want you to hear her journey and how well this has worked out for her. Jenny is someone who I've known for a long time because she was originally my copywriter. And so she got to know my program and, and me through that process. And then when she decided she didn't want to be an entrepreneur anymore and she wanted to work in the corporate world, her first try, she found herself completely burned out. And so she decided that when she got this new job that she really wanted it to be successful and she needed some help to make sure that that happened. So we have been working together for about a year and a half now. And it's been my great pleasure to watch her blossom and really shine. So I can't wait for you to meet her. I'm super excited for you to meet Jenny Eastwood today. She is a senior account manager for the social agency, which is a New Zealand division of Omnicom Media Group. And she's been really fun to work with. And I'm excited for you to hear her story about her leadership journey. So welcome, Jenny. It's so great to have you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and share about my journey because it's been so life-changing and I just wish I could shout it from the rooftops whenever I have the opportunity. So I'm very pleased to be able to chat to you. So tell me a little bit about, you know, what it was like before we started working together and what made you um, want to join this program. So for those who don't know myself or Jill, we actually worked together, but Jill was my client when I was a freelance copywriter for a couple of years. And I was so amazed by everything I learned about the work that Jill does. And so when I decided I actually wanted to return to the corporate world and that being self-employed and freelancing wasn't really my thing, I really couldn't let go of wanting to learn more from you, Jill, as a client because I knew you were the real deal. There are so many fakes and shills out there, I think, in the online coaching world, and it's really hard to know who is real or who's legit, who can actually help you. And I knew that everything you had to say was very legit. I had already learned so much from you just in the time I had spent working with you as a copywriter. So when I first returned to the corporate world, I was working for a smaller boutique agency as a social media manager. And whilst I really enjoyed it, 
I'm ADHD and so I do everything 100%. I get really obsessed with something, but also I have no boundaries. I really struggle with perfectionism and invariably when I'm employed by someone, I tend to burn out in very quick (laughs) succession once I've started a role. And that happened in, in my first role having returned to the corporate world. And I was feeling very, very disappointed that I had kind of fallen into the same patterns of every other job that I'd had. I had a bit of a reputation as a job hopper, I suppose, and I didn't want that. I didn't want to be a job hopper. And I recognized that the problem was me. I was the problem because I kept allowing certain behaviors or I kept saying yes to things when I should have said no. And I didn't know how to establish any kind of healthy boundaries. So I left that job without another job lined up. And I wanted to make sure that the next job I went into, I wasn't making the same mistakes again, because every employer will try and get the most out of their team. That is very normal. If you're yeah. if you're a yes man and you do everything 150%, they're going to love it. And of course, they're going to keep loading you up unless you put your foot down or unless you establish clear boundaries and ways of working. So I couldn't really blame them for taking advantage of me wanting to outshine and outsmart everybody else. So I knew that I had to make some real changes if I wanted to start a new role and enjoy it and grow and make a real tangible impact on the company that I was with, which is always what I've wanted to do. So I figured that this was the perfect time to reach out to you, Jill. And I knew if there is one person on the planet who can help me figure out what I'm doing wrong and what I need to do differently, what behaviors I need to change, it is you. So that was kind of the line in the sand. I had found a job that I was pretty keen on, like I I was very excited about. It checked all the boxes, but I knew that unless I changed some fundamental things about how I was working, it was going to wind up being just like every other job that I've ever had ever. So that was what kickstarted our journey together. It did. And we used to have these great conversations when you were my copywriter and I knew knew you had so much potential and have been really happy to be joining you on this journey. So how's it gone for you? How, how has this worked out? When I tell you that I am truly not the same person that I was when we began working together, and I guess it's been about a year and a half now or coming up on a year and a half since we first started working together in a coaching capacity. Yeah. And I guess I didn't really know what to expect going into career coaching because Again, I've done a lot of courses, a lot of online courses, and nothing's ever really made a material difference in how I operate. But I still had a very open mind about about everything. And I also was very aware that you were not my therapist. So I had to make sure that what I was getting out of our sessions was with that in mind. And I wasn't expecting you to perform the role of a therapist when that is not what you were here to do. So I have found cumulatively over the time we worked together that 
I look back now and I cannot believe how far I've come. And and the reason it was, it's like little milestones along the way. So you and I would have a session or I would do a module and I would learn some information. And then because of the nature of the, of the corporate world, that week there'd be a scenario that would come up that would force me to actually have to put the work into practice. And there were some really tough moments for me personally that came up. Things that really challenged me that would have undone me prior to us working together. For example, I really struggled with perfectionism. I think I was a 10 out of 10 on the saboteur's <laughs> scale for hyperachiever. And so how that would manifest for me is if a client or my boss does things in a way that I think is not as good or inefficient, or then I would, I would feel really frustrated. Or if I made a suggestion on how I think things could be done better and it wasn't implemented, then that would really frustrate me, which in hindsight is super narcissistic, but that is how I used to operate. And so this has always been a big problem for me. And very quickly it came up as being a major challenge where I had, I was working on a major project with a very big client. They did not have all their ducks in a row. We shall just say it was quite dysfunctional and quite disorganized and essentially every trigger for me on what would <laughs> tip me over the edge. And it wasn't easy. And I remember you and I working together through that time and I would come to you and I'd be pulling my hair out and stressing and, and I'd have no idea how to deal with it. And then after one of our hour long sessions, I would walk away with, oh, just like light bulb moment. And suddenly I'd, I'd be like, okay, it's so clear. Like it's, I, I know what to do now. And, and it's not even you telling me for an hour, oh, here's what you should do. It's me sharing the difficulty and the problem and you leading me to discover that answer on my own. So a lot of listening, not a lot of you talking, which is kind of incredible as well. And I think really speaks to your actual ability as a coach. So there were very tangible scenarios like that. And then with everyone that would pop up, that'd get easier and easier for me to deal with. But that's not to say it's easy now. Like there's still things <laughs> that challenge me. 90% of the time I'm like, oh, I've come so far. I'm such a different person. And then something will pop up and it will send me spiraling again but the difference is that now I have the self-awareness I have the the toolkit I can recognize a trigger or a stressor or a challenge for what it is and rather than letting it undo me and send me into a spiral of stress or frustration I can look at it rationally and I can see it for what it is and I have experienced dealing with these situations in a healthy manner over the last year and a half and I can just approach it in a far more relaxed and rational manner. And now I actually enjoy, it's crazy. I never thought I'd get here, but I really love my job. I really love my job. And I even enjoy the stresses and the frustrations and the challenges. And I can laugh about these things now. Like when issues arise, it doesn't send me over the edge. I can actually see it for what it is. I have complete compartmentalization between the challenges at work and who I am and my worth and my value as a person. And I can enjoy the feeling and the satisfaction of handling it well, because it shows me how far I've come. And it's a signal to me of my own personal growth and achievement.
when I first joined this company, I didn't really have a plan, like a, a long-term plan. I didn't really necessarily see myself growing steadily up the ladder, but unsurprisingly, the more you are growing and evolving and getting to know yourself, understanding your strengths and weaknesses better, you're obviously way better at your job. And what it has also given me the time, the, our time working together is a clearer understanding of what I like to do and what I don't like to do. And I'm also no longer conflict avoidant, which was a huge problem for me. So I don't have any issues in asking for what I want within reason. But if I feel something needs to be done or I need to have a hard conversation or I am looking to try new things with additional responsibility, or maybe there are things that I know I'm not so great at and would be better outsourced to somebody else. I'm not scared of having those conversations anymore. And so when it came time, we had a bit of a internal restructure and I felt that the role I was doing was actually more of a senior account director role than the role I was in. I was so proud to be able to very calmly sit down with my managers and have a conversation about what I felt I was actually doing, how I would like to see that become official and also what value I felt I could bring to the company should they come to the party and agree to an official promotion, specific steps or specific things I identified I could do and I could provide to add value to the company over the coming months. So I wasn't just asking them or telling them, oh, you need to give me a promotion because I'm so great. It's like, I'm really willing to rise to a challenge. I see myself progressing through the company. These are the specific areas I believe I can grow and add value, aka bring in more money to the bottom line for the company to justify this. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not just expecting them to give me handouts. I'm, I'm going to earn my keep. They really appreciated that. It was really not a question for them. I was very grateful for how they saw the commitment and the dedication I've put in. I think for any employer as well, if, because I didn't do any of this coaching with you through them, it wasn't something work had put me up to. They hadn't, you know, put me onto any career development. This is all work I'm doing myself of my own volition because I want to be better. I think a decent employer can see those things, recognize when they've got a staff member who is committed to becoming better without them needing to lead them, lead a horse to water. So it's been a really rewarding period of time, both for myself, knowing that I now have the skills to cope with most challenging scenarios and also seeing my employer recognize and celebrate and reward those achievements and the way that I've continued to grow and do better. And yeah. I've got amazing clients now. I've got massive accounts that there's no way I would have been able to handle and deal with the challenges that comes with running enterprise level brands. So it's been, it's been great. 
I was just going to mention that, that your clients have seen all this change as well. And that your executive presence is, you know, allowing you to take on much bigger, much bigger clients and a much bigger role with them. It really has. And I, you know, I had a really touching situation the other day with, um, one of the clients I work with is a bank and I'm quite heavily involved in a lot of their various projects at the moment. And there was one project I was working on, but it wasn't really within my area of expertise. It was something out that I don't really have a lot of experience doing. And I really enjoyed working on it because, and again, this comes back to having worked with you. And now, even if there is something that I don't love doing or doesn't light my fire, so to speak, I now view these things as an opportunity to learn and upskill because I realize, I recognize that all of this is valuable experience. That being said, there came a time where my workload with the stuff I am an expert in on this client's portfolio became such that it didn't make sense for me to continue to work on this account or that particular project anymore. And I could hand it off to the team who specifically specialize in that area. And my stakeholder at the company was so devastated to lose me off, off that particular project. And she phoned me personally afterwards, after we made the announcement to ask why she couldn't work with me anymore. And I saw her at an event last week and she again brought up how sad she was that she didn't have <laughs> me on the account anymore. And that I found just, it really touched me because that was a really challenging project for me. It was really tough. It was not always fun, but even on the days that it was stressful, I I could recognize the value in being on it. And I loved that stakeholder as well. She was such a beautiful person and I really liked her as a person. And so that was, a, it was great just to get to know her. And then for her to be so open in her gratitude of our time together was, was so touching and just <laughs> really lovely because you don't always get that when you work in agency, you do not always get that from clients. Yes, it's They're not always the opposite. <laughs> yes, yes, there is. Yes. I, there has been very different reactions in the past. So that one, it was just a lovely, lovely moment. And to me really felt like indirect recognition, I suppose, of how much more competent I've become in my, yeah. in my work. Yeah, that's fantastic. I'm taking a brief break from this episode to ask, do you feel stuck and unclear about what you need to do to get promoted from director to vice president and beyond? Take the next step and get the free Passport to Promotion private podcast where you'll get the seven-step method to use to get promoted. In each episode, you'll find a tangible concept with real-life examples from my clients on how they were able to use that strategy to reach their next level, plus an action step you can take right now to accelerate your path to a promotion. You can find the link in the show notes. Now let's get back to the episode. So is there um, any particular parts of the program that you can point to that were particularly helpful for you? Yes. I mean, it's all cumulative. Everything is great. But the very first piece of work that we do together about understanding your strengths and weaknesses, where we go through personality tests, the saboteurs, for me, that actually is something that I come back to literally every single day. And I run my life in my bullet journal. 
that is how I operate. I, I love to be analog and write stuff down and I can't really do digital planners. It just doesn't work for me. I'm a, I'm a physical note taker and I have created a spread at the front of my journal with all of my career coaching notes. And within that, it leads with my saboteurs and my strengths and weaknesses and my unrealized strengths and my Myers-Briggs and just, I mean, it, everybody probably has different opinions on these sorts of things. But for me, I love that stuff. And I like to be able to put a name to something. So when a challenge comes up for me during the day, I can step back, be objective and recognize, oh, that's my restlessness saboteur. And instead of being at the mercy of this gut instinct or like, I don't know, this little tiny voice in my head telling me to do something, I can be more objective and make a calm, rational decision. I truly come back to those those points every single day. Another one that has been very helpful for me is delegation, the art of delegation, because I suck at delegating and still now, still, this is not something I'm good at. I, I'm very much... Uh, constantly working on how to get better at delegating and how to trust people with tasks. And part of the problem for me is I'm very busy during the day, extremely busy. And it feels off. I often think when I need to delegate something, I'm like, ugh, the time it's going to take for me to properly delegate and brief the person, mm. why does I just do it myself? That is a lie. That is a <laughs> complete fallacy. And I know that but it's still something that I'm working through. Really? So I, I come back to the rules of delegation, the principles of delegation all the time. I also have my delegation checklist in that career coaching section so I can refer back to it. I have a new girl on my team that we recently hired who is amazing and it de definitely does help when you've got a really competent person on your team that you know you can give information to and they'll take initiative and run with it. But even still, it is, I think it's going to be a bit of a lifelong journey for me to get really good at delegating. Another area in that kind of within that same vein, reducing the number of turns. So when you do delegate, when you do brief something in, giving a really clear brief so that we don't have to constantly go back and redo things, only have one or two rounds of feedback whenever we're doing anything creative that has been really, really valuable for me too. All about the art, like communication in general. Another, something else that really stuck with me and I think about often, but about a leader in your team is the one who isn't afraid to shoulder the blame if something goes wrong. And that's not to say, oh, it's my fault, I screwed up, but just remove it from being an issue so that we can move forward for towards solutions. And I think we are so prone to letting our egos, not just us, but other leaders, like so-called leaders who are in leadership positions, but aren't necessarily great managers or good with people. And you see teams and squads get held back all the time because something will go wrong and they've just kicked the can around and like pass the blame and try and find someone to pin the problem on instead of actually just owning it and moving forward towards a solution. And I'll give you a very clear example of when this 
just last week was something that a problem came up where we had a very last minute brief with a client, fast turnaround. This particular client in general, there's a lot of legal hoops that we have to jump through whenever we are doing anything creative, which is fine. We know that and we can build that into our processes. However, there was a miscommunication between us and them around the timeframes and the client expressed that they were disappointed because they had um, specifically asked me a few days prior, will this be ready by this date? And I hadn't, I had communicated with my team about our timeframe, but I hadn't communicated with the client. And there are all sorts of ways that it could have been put on the client as being their fault that they didn't understand how much time we might need. And they only sent us the assets we required the very morning that they expected it to be due. But none of that is helpful. (laughs) None of that is helpful. Trying to find a reason for it to be not your fault is just not helpful. So instead, And I was speaking to a few others on my team and I was like, oh, how should I reply? And it's okay to take time to reply, I think, too. Like in a situation where there's a bit of tension, it's okay to take a breather, to go and get a coffee, just have a bit of a walk. Like (laughs) it's good to not reply when you're in a frazzled state. And I decided, contrary to the advice from everybody around me, I just decided, no, I'm just going to own it. Like, ultimately, I'm the account director. It falls with me. I'm the conduit here between the client and the creative team. It's my fault. So I just re- replied to her and said, I'm I'm really sorry. This was a miscommunication from us. The lesson here is I need to make sure that we communicate with you clearly and early on to avoid any other mistakes happening done and she was so stoked she was so thrilled she's like oh thank you so much like that's all she needed to hear and now we can just move on with our day and keep going I think about that all the time taking the blame and again like that's a situation where it's not about saying oh we screwed up and, and and all of this it's just all it takes is just some acknowledgement of something not trying to make it somebody else's problem anymore and this is something that really amazes me from the time we've been working together is Every time we have a session or every time I go through module, I have like a light bulb moment. And I kind of move through the other agencies throughout the week because there's different people and different teams that I need to chat to about various projects. And I can see examples of the challenges that we, we have discussed popping up with management across all the other teams. And that's not a criticism. Like it's not. It's just you realize how we're not taught this stuff. Like nobody, we are not taught this stuff. You have to figure it out on your own. And if you're leading, if you're learning from the leaders above you, it is rare that you get a really incredible leader who encompasses all of these things around communication and different leadership styles. But most people don't know any of this. And Mm. I think it's a real sign of, growth and evolution when you can see and identify the behaviors that would trip you up or for me the behaviors that would trip me up I can see those things happening with other people but I can see it and I I can recognize it like these things aren't elusive to me anymore they don't teach you this stuff in school they should (laughs) should. that and budgeting (laughs) yeah exactly 
I love what you were saying about the the taking the blame piece because I've read studies on this where hospitals do this. Hospitals make mistakes sometimes and when they take the blame and they apologize to the families, they get much less lawsuits and things like that that are going on because the families really just want to be acknowledged and yeah. So it's it's pretty powerful what that can do. I find personally too, if I have an issue with someone or, or or a business or whatever, if they immediately own it, then I'm like, oh, well, that's nice. That's good. Like it, and it's <laughs> almost endearing. I find it, in, mm. it it endears them to you if they handle a complaint or an or a disappointment in a grace gracious manner. They talk about when you're in a fight and it's like two brick walls leaning up against each other. And if you're both just doubling down, then it's just these two brick walls. But if one just owns it, then suddenly, you know, the conflict just collapses and there's nothing for the other party to push up against anymore. And I always, I like that visualization of it's like, I'm just going to end this here. You know, I just, I'm just going to draw a line in the sand. We're not going to, this is not going to become an issue anymore. We're just going to, so we can move forward and focus on other stuff. Yeah, good stuff. I think you had a little bit of a process around overcoming busyness as well and deciding what to work on and what not to and making those calls. Yes, something that you taught me very, very early on in our time working together, and this is also drawn from your experience working with me as a copywriter, we spent a lot of time talking about what is good enough and how I would always do things a thousand percent, but I needed to learn how to do things that were just good enough. And I realized again, early on into my new role, probably three months on into it. And part of why I was burning out over and over again at different companies is that I'd get really excited about a creative idea. I'd want to really wow them and show them how capable I was and how great I could be. And so they'd brief us to do something, but I wouldn't just fulfill the brief. I would go above and beyond, which is great. Like you want people to go above and beyond, but I would deliver creative ideas or go far outside the scope of what was actually briefed in. Mm -hmm. And whilst that was exciting to me because I had a lot of creative ideas. If the client then doesn't buy it or doesn't use it or doesn't care, it felt like a personal attack. It felt like a criticism on me and my abilities that they didn't immediately fall in love with this extra piece of work I'd done for them that they never asked for. (laughs) And in agency too, it can be harsh. Like sometimes you'll be briefed on a project and you will only be working on that project and halfway through it gets canned. I had to really learn how to divorce myself from the outcomes of my work, basically. And also since the work we're actually briefed and paid to do could get scrapped at any moment anyway, why would you deliver a piece of work that they didn't ask for that isn't inside the brief when that might never see the light of day. And this might sound like a depressing way to operate, but instead for me, it's been really freeing. So now when I get briefed in on a project, I do what I've been briefed to do and nothing else. (laughs) And I save those extra creative ideas 
for when the time is right. So we, for example, every now and then a client will have a creative sprint where it's an all agency huddle and they are planning for an exciting launch and they want to hear all your ideas. Mm-hmm. And that is fun. Like that is really fun. And those times do come. So the rest of the time I do what they've asked me to do. And if I think I've got a few extra ideas that they haven't maybe considered, then firstly, I will answer the brief before anything. But I think for me, it's part of time management, trying to get my daily to-do list down to as few things as possible, because otherwise your list of things to do will expand to fit the time you have. Mm -hmm. And I will just make more things. I will make more like jobs for myself. Mm -hmm. And instead now I focus on only doing exactly what the client needs from me because that, that, allows me to first of all be clearer in my delegation because mm-hmm. I can tell my team this is the brief here is the brief this is the deadline this is what we're doing together I also tell them save that additional creative ideas that you have save it for when the time is right because otherwise you will burn out like I do <laughs> and so I feel that more than anything that was the key thing for me to learn and get good at because that is what was undoing me. And if you get to the end of the day and you're just buzzing and you've still got creative energy to burn, then direct it into your own pursuits. Like, you know, come home and do a course if you want, or like come home and draw or write. Or, But if you're doing it at work and you're doing it because you want the client to love you, don't, because all you're going to do is just destroy yourself. Save it for when the time is right and you have the opportunity, you've been given the opportunity to run with it and shine. Yeah. And I I mean, I see this all the time for people that aren't in creative roles. It can look like going the extra mile on something or raising your hand to do something that is not even being asked of you or just seeing a problem and going out and fixing it, whether anybody else thinks it's a problem or not. And so often we're solving problems and we don't get any appreciation for it because nobody else thought it was a problem. Exactly. (laughs) We tend to do so much work. And then with all the responsibilities that women have, at home and additional responsibilities at work that men don't always share of planning meetings and doing parties and all kinds of things that, that women get piled on their plates and then we end up just overloaded and burned out like you experienced. So, Especially because the client's only paying a certain amount. So, you know, that they might like your idea, but they're like, well, we didn't ask for this. We don't have the budget for it. So yeah. It's presumptuous, I think, to assume, oh, I'm just going to give them all of these things. It's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily show how great you are. Just be yeah. great at what they've asked you to do. Right. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I just lastly wanted to ask you have you had any thoughts about your feminine style of leadership? If this has helped you to understand what it is as a woman that you bring to the workplace and, and how you might take best advantage of that? I have come a long way in the gender issues of the workplace since we began working together it used to really rile me up the bias in the workplace and now it still riles me up but now I understand it and I lean into it and it with a view to being able to just work with it 
because you can't, it's, it's so hard to swim upstream. That being said, I think my strength in leadership is definitely around empathy and listening and my ability to connect with people. And that is a great strength, but also my weaknesses lie in that confrontation. I'm not as straight up quick to the point as some of my male counterparts are. It's something I'm working on, but I'm also aware that I need to strike the right balance because I know that as a female, it doesn't come across the same way if you are short, sharp, direct as it would if you're a male. So I have found it empowering to understand the differences in female and male leadership. It's weird and I don't always agree with it, but it is what it is. And so I think I am still learning because I'm still very early on in my journey. And this is very much the start of where I hope to get in terms of my leadership abilities. But I try and vary my leadership styles depending on who I'm working with. But I feel like I'm also constantly learning in terms of understanding, watching and observing how my male senior leadership around me operates, my female senior leadership around me operates, and then what my clients and my team respond to as well mm-hmm. so that I can make sure I'm providing the best leadership for each situation. And something I've come really far in is not making decisions based on my own personal emotions and it's instead stepping back and thinking about what's actually best for the wider team or mm. who would this, who, when I'm making a decision, who is this going to help? Who's this actually going to help? Yeah, absolutely. I think you're in a really interesting situation too, because, you know, the creative agency advertising space has been such a male dominated business for a very long time. And yet you have a, this amazing female leader that you work Mm. under. And so you've got really a lot of influences from both sides, which is really great. I'm so lucky. I have just the most incredible female manager who is the way that she handles different people is truly a masterclass like watching how she interacts with the male C-suite team versus smaller teams underneath. And those of us who are having a bad day, oh, queen, like absolute queen. The nuance is just phenomenal. That it, And she's got like three kids of her own at home, three boys. It's just, oh man, she is truly a phenomenal to watch. And, and watching her operate every day is just, it's a, it's a gift. You took the job because of her, didn't you? I did. I did. I literally, I, I, I actually did. I took the job because of her. She, I had heard such great things about her. And before I started working there, I asked if she would have lunch with me so I could basically pick her brain and make sure I wasn't entering into a job that wasn't going to be a good fit. I trusted her to give me her honest opinion on whether or not I would thrive in, in the agency world. And I knew she would be honest with me, even if she wanted me to come work for her, I knew she'd tell me the truth. If I asked her, I was so blown away by how she came across in all my interactions with her before I took the job that I decided to 
to get a job there because of her. I always say you're hiring your boss when you take a new job, you know. Oh, we'd be at a loss if she left. <laughs> but there's a lot of us there who are there because of her as well. Yeah. You know, I'm not alone yeah. in that. And so that's pretty, pretty special. I always like to ask people who they look up to and who is a woman in leadership that, that they like to use as a role model. Is, would she it's, be the one or do you have others? It's definitely her. She is amazing. I wouldn't want to have her job, to be clear. She's got a hard <laughs> job. I think it would be so, so challenging, but she's definitely the most phenomenal woman I've seen in real life in action. Like there's always been female leaders of companies who I look up to, like Whitney Wolfhard, whatever. But in terms of companies I've worked in, she's the best I've ever, ever seen. I've ever come across. That's great to hear. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Jenny. I know that you're going to inspire our listeners and I just really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with me today. Thank you because I'm so happy. If not for you, I would have quit my job like a year ago in an angry half over something small. So instead <laughs> I just got promoted and I love my job. So yeah. thank you. <laughs> That's definitely a testament. <laughs> For real. Yes. If you found Jenny's story inspiring or helpful, please let us know in the comments, which part you liked best. And if you'd like to hear more about the sisters in leadership process and how it might work for you, download my private podcast on the seven step passport to promotion on the sistersmart.com website, the links in the show notes. And if you want to dive deeper into women's leadership and how to move up in your career, subscribe either on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I'm on a mission to help more women get into leadership and stay there. And if that's aligned with you, I'd love to have you be part of this community and tune into more episodes on Sister Smart Leadership that will support you in becoming the leader you want to be. If you're ready to fully lean into your feminine leadership and get promoted from director to vice president and beyond, Hit that subscribe button so you'll get all the episodes to come. And check out the recommended video here to see how women are rising up without playing by the old rules that built these male-dominated industries and systems. If you're seeing just how differently women lead and how by doing so, women leaders can gain influence, restore balance, and earn the recognition and promotions they deserve, I would love it if you left a rating and review. I read each one and these reviews make it possible for me to reach more women leaders like you so they can rise up as far as they'd like without getting stuck.